Welcome to the Powerhouse Youth Podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today, and we hope that this builds you up and helps you live out your faith. Enjoy the message. Y'all, are y'all doing good tonight? Okay, whose school is out because of the flu? Is it more than just Genoa? Just Genoa? Is anybody else that's like your school seems really sad because so many people have been sick and like missing out? Your sister was sick, so like half your attendance was down. Homeschooler, it's okay. Well, hey, uh, man, I, I am happy that you're here tonight. I know a lot of folks have been getting the flu, all kinds of stuff. Last week, we had several men that were sick, and even this weekend at groups, so I hope you're feeling better. I'm not going to lie, after seeing so so many people come through sick, it kind of makes me, like, you know, question. Like, I get the sniffles, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, am I getting the flu? Like, what's wrong with me? Anybody else, you kind of, like, worry about it now that, like, everybody is getting it? Yeah, Jordan, you, you made me worried Sunday night. This is a little graphic story, but we went out to eat at Slim's Chicken Sunday night after small groups. Jordan, Jordan is walking across the floor, just throws up in the middle of the floor, okay, which is disgusting, making it worse. German's walking right behind him, slips and falls down in the pile of puke. It was... <laughs> It was a pretty big puke pile, a pretty big pile of puke. German fell down right in it, and uh, then Aaron progressed to running around the restaurant and screaming. So I, I don't know. It was really kind of a nightmare, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that y'all are here and you're feeling better. Uh, German, I hope you just threw that set of clothes away, because that's what I would have done. Um, yeah. That slim chicken on the back. It's cool. Hey, uh, well, tonight, man, we're going to shift gears a little bit, get a little more serious here. But, uh, man, I'm going to actually continue uh, a little sermon series that we started while we were on winter retreat. Uh, If you were on winter retreat, wave wave at me if you went to winter retreat. I know we had, like, a really big group this year that went. Um, If you didn't get to go on winter retreat... You were there, Timmy. Quit lying. Um, but if you uh, if you weren't there, I'm going to do kind of a, a recap and let you uh, in on a few things that we talked about while we were there. If you did go, I want to kind of refresh a little bit uh, for you as well because the next couple of weeks, I want to continue uh, in the story of David, okay? And so, man, uh, I think the story of David is amazing. Like every time like I read through it, it just like fires you up, you know what I mean? Like how can you not... I get fired up if you read the story of David and Goliath. Can I get an amen? Amen. Like, you just want to walk outside and like, I don't know, like fight somebody or invest in a slingshot or something. Like, I don't know. It just like fires you up. Don't walk outside and fight somebody. That is not a godly response, okay? Uh, All the guys are like, yeah, what's up? Um, But uh, we started this uh, little mini-series on Winter Retreat, like I said, and the name of it uh, is actually Marked. Everybody say Marked. Y'all, you got to say that with more enthusiasm. Everybody say marked. Okay, and so 
this is this is kind of what uh, the heart behind this is. Uh, man, I was actually listening to a sermon series several years ago uh, from a pastor named Mike Todd. Man, it's a really powerful sermon series. But when I was listening to it, uh, man, he kind of presented this sermon series, this idea that all of us as believers, we've been marked by God. Who believes they've been marked by God in this room tonight? Anybody? You're like, I don't know yet. Um, um, and I'm telling you, every person here, I mean, you've been marked by God. And when I say uh, you've been marked by God, that means God has a, has a purpose for you, right? God has a, a plan for you. There's something that God has for you that he wants you to accomplish, that, that uh, man, that he wants your life to fulfill. And uh, so God has marked you. And when you're marked by God, it's something that distinguishes you from other people. It's something that uh, distinguishes, it changes the way that you live, it, it changes the way that you act at school, it changes the way that you worship. Come on, some of y'all are like getting a little uncomfortable. We start talking about the way you act at school and you're like, what? Uh, how do you know? Um, but, but listen, when you're marked by God, it, it, it changes you, okay? And so uh, when we were on winter retreat, this was one of the big topics that we talked about, being marked by God, and that uh, as we returned home, that we were going to continue to live for him in, in a mighty way. And so tonight, I, I want to kind of refresh just a few things that we talked about while we were on the retreat, because I know that's been, man, probably six weeks ago, and it's not fresh on your brain, uh, so we can go a little beyond that, okay? And so uh, tonight, if, you're, if you've got your Bible, flip to 1 Samuel chapter 16. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the what? The Sky Bible. <laughs> you always get so offended. It's like 50% say Sky Bible, 50% say Skibble. It's cool. Um, but let's say a prayer real fast and just invite the Lord to speak to us tonight. If you bow your heads. Lord, we do uh, come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you uh, for every person that's here. And uh, well, we just surrender our heart to you right now and ask that you would come, you would speak to us, you would guide us, and Lord, all of us, we would get something out of this tonight, and, and Lord, we would walk out of these doors closer to you than, than the way that we came in. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Okay, so if, uh, if you're not familiar really with the story of, of David, at Winter Retreat, we actually started in uh, the chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 15. Okay, and so there is a man by the name of Saul that is king. Everybody familiar with King Saul? Okay, King Saul uh, was the first king of Israel. He was anointed to, be, anointed to be king. He was a godly man, but towards the end of his life, what began to happen? <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that. <laughs> He, he started messing up. He started turning away from God. He started being disobedient. He knew what he was supposed to do, but chose not to do it. Anybody in here that sounds a little bit like your life? Oh, Snapple, we're getting uncomfortable already, and we're not even in the, the main message yet. Y'all going to have to wake up, all right? And so we're, we begin to kind of contrast the life of King Saul and, and David. We looked at the beginning of this, and so uh, God's anointing really pulls away from King Saul, and he begins to call this, this little shepherd boy, David, to be the next king of Israel, right? Y'all remember the story now? We kind of know what we're, what we're talking about. And so one thing that was so significant to me, when we looked at the life of Saul, uh, Saul actually was being disobedient. He has an encounter with the prophet Samuel, and he says to Samuel, I've fulfilled the commandment of the Lord. Y'all remember this? He, he thinks that he's done everything correctly. He thinks that he's been obedient. What's the problem with that? 
Yeah, yeah, he was in. Yeah, that was <laughs> exactly right. Okay, Saul had, had been, become so disobedient that he's kind of started to believe uh, this lie. He's, he's kind of started to be deceived that he no longer sees the sin that's in his life. So have you ever like gotten to a point in your life where you've, you've sinned, you've become so comfortable with something that you no longer even think it's that big of a deal? It's no longer that big a deal for you to cheat on the test. It's no longer that big of a deal for you to lie. It's no longer that big of a deal for you to go in your mom's purse and slip a 20 because you need some extra snack money. Y'all are like, oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, listen, there are some points in your life where you can, you can get so comfortable with sin that you no longer see an issue with it. Do you agree with that? And so uh, this was our first point that we talked about while we were at Winter Retreat, and I think it's something that I want to remind you of tonight, is that uh, we must examine ourselves daily. You must examine yourself daily. I mean, it's really easy to be deceived. It's really easy to kind of get a hardened heart uh, when it comes to your lifestyle, when it comes to your sin, when it comes to your struggles. It's much easier to look at somebody else's life and point out their problems, but you ain't got none. <laughs> Y'all are smirking, okay? And yeah, I know. It gets a little uncomfortable sometimes. It's okay. But I'm telling you, so, so what I want to challenge you with, we have to examine ourselves. And, and tonight is a night where we stop and you just simply remind yourself, you think, hey, how have I been living? Have I been honoring God? I mean, are there things in my life that need to shift? Are there some things in my life that I need to let go of? Are there some things in my life that I need to add and start doing? Come on. Nash, give me that ball. What are you doing? You know better than that. Don't be dumb. Timmy, go get the ball and put it in the back. You, you're ridiculous. Take it to the back. Take it to the back. Goodness. And just sit back there. To the back of the room, the back. Thank you. Goodness. Okay. Yeah, you can sit here too. That's fine. Okay. That's so aggravating. We're in kid zone. Thank you, guys. No. All right. And so, listen, <clears throat> you've got to begin to examine your life. Man, how are you really living? Like, what are you doing? I mean, when you go to school, now that you've been back from winter retreat, or when you go to school, or you're around your family, when you're around your friends, man, how are you really living? Are you honoring God? Are you pleasing Him? Because uh, I'm telling you, it's really easy to get into a routine. It's really easy to go to school. It's really easy to get around your friends and no longer think about it. No longer really think about your life and, and if you're honoring God. And so I'm telling you, one of the best things you can add into your life is just challenge yourself uh, to, to examine your life every day. And how am I living? What am I doing? What are some things that I did today that honored God? What are some things that I did today that didn't honor God and I need to shed out of my life? You've got to examine yourself if you're going to live a life that's marked by God. Man, second was that we have to tend the fire of our devotion. Man, if you haven't learned this by now, no one in life, no one in this world is responsible for your passion for God except you. It's not my job to make sure you're passionate about God. I, I, I try to stir that within you, but it is not my responsibility. All of, all of us, it's our personal responsibility to make sure that we are passionate about God, that we are in love with God, that we want more of God in our life. And so what normally happens, we have these big encounters or these big moments with God, and then what happens is it begins to fade over time, right? 
And so why it fades is because we don't tend the fires of our devotion. We're not throwing uh, logs on our fire. We get a big bonfire going, and then after a day or two, it, it burns out, right? Have you ever been there? And so you've got to begin to tend the fire of your devotion, throw things on, seek God, pray, worship, do these things that you know you should do but often fail to do, right? And so it's, it's your responsibility to do that. It's your responsibility to continue to, to stir that, that excitement that you had uh, even weeks ago for God to make sure you live in that every day because it's possible to do it. Man, uh, the third thing we, we uh, talked about, we, uh, we said that, man, we're often marked in private before we're ever marked in public. We're marked in private before we're ever marked in public. If you're familiar with the story of David in 1 Samuel chapter 16, he is a little shepherd boy, right? He gets called and is anointed to be the king of Israel. It's like a really cool story. He gets called in front of his whole family, like his other brothers are there. It's like this big moment that he has in front of his family. And, and listen, what, what I see a lot of times is everybody wants to have this moment in front of everyone where, where you're marked in public, where you get given a, a, a platform or this opportunity to really shine. And listen, David didn't just have this moment where he was marked in public David was marked in private well before he ever had this opportunity, well before he was ever called to be king. He was marked uh, by God because he was out in the shepherd field spending time with him. He was marked in these moments when he was all alone and he was worshiping God. Give you an example. You'll be marked in your life when you're all alone in your bedroom and you close the door and you just want to seek God for a few moments where you just want to be in his presence, where you just want to talk to him for a minute, and where you just desire to be closer to him than you are right now. Those kind of moments, those, those opportunities are where you're marked. And, and listen, you will never have the opportunity in public. You'll never be lifted into leadership and all of these things if you are not first marked in private, if you're not seeking God in the private place. Does this make sense? And some of us, hey, a lot of us, especially especially young people, we fail in this category. Man, we get our, our, our lives to get consumed with YouTube and Snapchat and Netflix and all these things. And hey, I'm telling you, you get so sucked into your phone, it's like two hours later, you realize it's midnight. And you're like, oh gosh, <laughs> I meant to spend some time with God, but now I need to go to bed. It's, it's easy to get sucked into these things. And so I'm telling you, if you want to live a life that's marked by God, you've got to begin to seek him in the private place. And, and this is what we try to, uh, to even kind of cultivate in Powerhouse on Wednesday night in, in our worship atmosphere and all these things that we seek God, we, we worship him, we cry out to him. Those things should be carried over in the private place. And the fourth thing that I, I thought was really significant, and I'm skipping some of these points, so if you remember a lot of them, uh, that's why I'm not covering all of them. I'm just hitting some of the highlights. But it's that we're all marked, and we have to choose how to respond. And I want you to think about this for just a second. King Saul and King David, they were both anointed by the same prophet. They were called to the same position. They had the, the same purpose, a lot of the same skill sets and things. They were leaders of the same nation. A lot of these things, there, there were a lot of similarities, but when you look at the outcome of their life, the outcome of their lives, were, it, was, it was the exact opposite, right? King Saul got removed because of his sinful disobedience. God revoked his kingship, and 
and exalted King David and blessed him all the days of his life and uh, blessed his descendants because he honored God. And so listen, both men, both kings were marked by God. Both were called, both were anointed. But the, the, the factor that changed the outcome was how they responded. And this is what I want you to see tonight. Every person in this room, every student under my voice, every leader, man, all of us, we've had these moments where we have been marked by God. God has laid something on your heart. God has stirred you uh, to, to do a little better, to begin to do more, to begin to live for him in a greater way. And listen, it is up to you how you respond to that. Does this make sense tonight? It's up to you. How am I going to respond to God's word? How am I going to respond to God's call? Because you can either be a Saul or you can be a David. You can be disobedient. You can try to do your own thing. You can try to act like your sin isn't that big of a deal. And that's fine if you want to do that. But ultimately, you will wind up rejected by God. And that's not the kind of outcome that I want for my life. Amen? That's not what I want. I want my life to be blessed and favored by God. I want it to please him. I want it to build his kingdom. And listen, all of this is dependent on how we respond. How do you respond tonight when you walk out of uh, this room? How, am I gonna seek God? Am I gonna begin to honor him? Am I gonna begin to change some things? Or will I continue on the same trajectory that I'm on right now? It's all up to how we respond uh, in these situations. And so I'm telling you, I wanna respond like David. I want to I wanna have a heart for God, a heart to seek him, a heart to, to please him. And I want you, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to flip open to 1 Samuel 16 if you're not already there. Um, but we're going to start looking uh, at a, a point we actually already talked about, but it's going to be in verse 10. I want to remind you of a couple things because this is something that was super heavy at Winter Retreat. And I want uh, those of you who didn't get to go, men, to get this. But this is the, the end part of the story where David is about to be anointed to be king. Uh, read along with me just these, these uh, next couple of verses. It says, 1 Samuel uh, 16, 10 through 11, it says, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. That's the prophet. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him for we will not sit down until he comes here. Okay, Jesse, Jesse brings all of his sons, his seven sons, before the prophet. Uh, the prophet Samuel is like, okay, are these all of your sons? He says, no, uh, there is one out in the fields, a, a shepherd boy, a little, uh, a little shepherd boy. Okay, so his father does not define him by his name, he defines him by uh, two things. He defines him uh, by the youngest, and that he, or he's a boy, and then two, that he's the one who keeps sheep. Okay, both kind of give the connotation of insignificance. Do you agree with that? It's like, I would much rather just be called my name. Like, that's cool. It's like, I'm David. Okay. Um, you can kind of tell from this that David's family doesn't really value him. It's the boy who keeps sheep, the little shepherd boy, and uh, man, I this was a really big point that night I want to remind you of, but it's what man deems insignificant, God deems as significant. You know, we, we're going to kind of continue in this idea the next few weeks, but a lot of us in this room at points in your life, you've kind of felt insignificant. You know, even if you don't want to admit that right now, I think there's probably been a point in everybody's life in this room where you've, you've kind of felt that way. 
You know, we're talking about being marked by God, that God has something special for you. God has something special for us. And it's really easy to kind of disagree uh, with that idea that God maybe has something special for them, but not me because I'm jacked up because you don't know how I live because you don't know how, how much I've messed up. And, and, and listen, it's just simply not true. I mean, there have been a, a lot, a lot of uh, people in this room that you've probably had family members, you've probably had friends, uh, you've had loved ones kind of speak negative things to you. Maybe they've told you you're no good. Maybe they've told you that you're not good enough. Maybe they've told you that you'll never amount to anything. You know, there's a lot of things that, that get said to young people in your life. There are a lot of jokes when you're in high school, when you're in junior high, like you can just be joking around and things get a little real and you walk away, but it really kind of left a scar what they said, although they were pretending to just, I'm just kidding. Yeah, y'all know. It, it, it definitely happens. There's a lot of things that can leave you feeling insignificant, but I wanna, I wanna point out uh, uh, just a couple of things from the scripture. When you look at this story, Man, David's family spoke two things over David. They called him uh, just a, a boy. He was young and then the keeper uh, of the sheep. And so when David's family saw a young boy, and you think back to 1 Samuel 13, 14, God uh, spoke over David that he was a man after his own heart. Okay, and so uh, David's family might have only seen him as the keeper of the sheep, but when God looked upon David, he saw a king. And so I'm telling you, some of us in this room, you've, been, uh, you've had some negative things spoken over you that make you feel insignificant, but I wanna tell you that God doesn't see what man sees. And when God looks upon your life, he doesn't see you how everybody at your school sees you, and he doesn't see you how your, your family sees you, but he, he sees the things that he's placed on the deepest parts of your soul, the things that you might not even know that are there. And I'm telling you, when God looks upon you, he doesn't see someone who's messed up too many times or made too many mistakes or is just jacked up or isn't pretty enough or isn't good enough. God looks at you and sees a king. He sees a, a man. He, he sees these things. And I, I wanna just encourage you for a second. There's so many young people today that you feel insignificant. You don't feel like God could really use you, and that's why you, you continue to cower. You continue to hold back. You continue not to, to step into what God has called you to do. And, and I want to tell you that God doesn't see what man sees. If the world says it's insignificant, God says it's significant. Men, and the things that the world say are significant, when you look at fame, when you talk about money, when you talk about these issues, those things that everybody else wanna act like they're, it's a big deal. God says, I don't care about that. I care about your heart. And so tonight, if you, if you felt like, man, you're insignificant, if you felt like God or, or somebody spoken something over you where, where God uh, couldn't use you, I just wanna tell you, and what man deems insignificant, God deems as significant. And I want you to look down with me at uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 12 and 13. And uh, this is a, a, another part we've looked at as well, but I want to remind you this. It says, uh, and so Jesse's sin, he brought him in, brought David in. And it says, now uh, he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. David was handsome. Uh, oh, yeah, I heard giggles. Okay. Uh, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Okay, 
So this is what I, the last point I want to do before we get into just a, a couple of uh, new things for tonight. What? Why don't you point? I thought you were showing me something. I was so confused. Um, <clears throat> and so when you look at the life of David, what are some cool things that David did? Slay Goliath. That's pretty legit. Anything else? Can y'all think of anything else? <laughs> anything else? What? He served Jesus. What's up? He killed a lion. What else he killed? Killed a bear. Yes, he did. Uh, Y'all, and so... uh, David had an awesome life, and so even beyond him killing uh, Goliath and all these things you mentioned, man, he led the nation of Israel into prosperity, uh, one of the greatest times ever in the history of Israel. Uh, man, he was conquering nations, defeating uh, Israel's enemies. He, he won countless battles. Like, it was just this uh, uh, amazing, amazing uh, period of history uh, for the Israelites. Like, David was an amazing man. And so when you look at the, the story of David, you can't help but to think, like, Dude, David is pretty awesome. Uh, and, and the one thing that I, I continue to be reminded of, um, all of these things happened after this passage that we just read where the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, right? The, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and uh, none of these things would have been possible without the Holy Spirit in David's life. David didn't accomplish these things on his own. It wasn't because he was talented. It wasn't because he was handsome and all of these things. It was because the Spirit of God empowered his life. And, and this is uh, the last point that I want to remind you of is that we must live empowered and led by the Spirit of God. We have to live empowered by the Spirit of God. I mean, you can't live a, a life that's marked. You can't accomplish the things that God has for you without his spirit, without his power, without his help, without his assistance. And a lot of times we try to do that on our own. And I just want to tell you, it's just not possible. It's just not possible uh, to, to live that way without the power and the spirit of God. And so I want to encourage you, man, every day as you go forth, as you leave here tonight, when you go to school tomorrow and try to, to live a life that's led by God's Spirit. Lord, what do you, you want to do today? Where, where are you leading me today? What, what would you have me to do? And if you'll do this, if you'll be empowered by his Spirit, I'm telling you, God will do mighty things. But a lot of times we try to do these things according to our own desire and according to our own flesh, and that, that is when we fail. Does this make sense tonight? I want you to look at, uh, we're going to go over just a few uh, new things real quick, and we're going to try to go to altar. But uh, move down to verses 14 and 15. This is, uh, I mean, this is kind of, I don't know, it kind of blows my mind every time I read this. But it says, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Okay, So Saul's life, think about this for just a second. Saul's life is transformed uh, in such a drastic way after the Spirit of God leaves him that his servants even begin to notice the difference in his life. His servants even begin to, to, to notice that there is something different about Saul, that there's something tormenting him. Does that not kind of blow your mind for a second? And it's eye-opening to think about King Saul, this man, that he was a godly man. He had such a, a promiseful uh, start, all of these things that now he had, 
fallen into such a cycle of sin that the Holy Spirit was withdrawing from his life. And he's been so disobedient, he's been so accepting to sin that God takes his hand in favor and blessing off of his life. Hey, I'm thankful for the mercy, the grace of God that man, extends to us forgiveness, that extends to us next chance and next chance and next chance. But we're fooled if we think we can continue to live a lifestyle of obedience and that God will bless it. Does this make sense tonight? Man, it scares me to even think about this idea where the Holy Spirit withdraws this favor and blessing from Saul's life because I never, ever want my life to get to this point. Man, I never, ever want to be so okay with sin in my life that God withdraws his favor from my life. I always want to have a heart to, to serve him and to please him. That even, you know, as I fail and I mess up and as I sin, I come before God and say, Lord, will you create in me clean hands and a, and a pure heart that I would serve you all of my days, that I wouldn't continue in, in sin? Would we, would we learn from this mistake that Saul makes and say, I'm not going to live like Saul. I want to please God all my days. And I never want to be so entangled in sin that the Spirit of God leaves me. And I want God's presence to be with me everywhere that I go. And this is uh, our first point tonight, is just when you're marked, you never justify a lifestyle of sin. When you're marked, you never justify a lifestyle of sin. You know, over the uh, last couple of months, God has been moving uh, in a powerful way. I don't know, if you can just think back, uh, this is the last Wednesday in February, just think to the first of the year. Uh, I think that we only had seven services. It's crazy, it's already the end of February, is it not? Like, it's just kind of clicking on by here. Um, but just since, uh, I guess, the, the first seven services uh, of the year, something like that, we have had 46 students make decisions to follow Christ. Is that not awesome? That's just on Wednesday night. I mean, we had a, a lot of our students start sharing their faith uh, with, with their friends at school. I mean, we've had students that have accepted Christ in classrooms at school. Uh, we have had students that have been accepting Christ during our weekend services at church. Those aren't even counted in our numbers. Uh, we've had a group of students that wanted to go to Walmart and evangelize a couple of weeks ago. We went and did that and prayed for random people at Walmart. Uh, we had students that were uh, involved in outreach at nursing homes. Um, we had some students that went and I know unloaded furniture for a lady that was moving in town. And because of their uh, witness to this woman, she said, I want what those students have and, and wanted to come to our church and experience God. Like that's, like that's an awesome, awesome testament. And so, I mean, God has been moving in like a really, really uh, powerful way. You know, over the last, uh, man, several weeks, a lot of students, man, we've chosen to walk uh, away from sin. We've chosen to walk away from old lifestyles and mistakes and habits, and all of these things are amazing. And I want to I wanna encourage you tonight. It's really easy as time uh, begins to fade, as time goes on, that we kind of slowly slip back into old habits and cycles. We've probably all been there, and I just want to encourage you, man, keep going. Keep going, keep fighting for that. Is it not fun when you see God move in your, in your life? Is it not life-giving when God's presence and spirit and goodness is there? Is it not awesome when you can walk through life without condemnation and feeling guilty from all the trash that you've been doing and all the junk you've been looking at online? Is it not good when you can do that? 
And I'm telling you, there's a, there's a peace, there's a, a, just a grace that comes as we begin to be obedient to God. And I just want to encourage the group of students that have been seeking God, keep going and don't go back. Why would you want to go back to a lifestyle of sin that brings no joy? Man, and so if you're here and you've been on the edge, if you've been getting discouraged, if you've been kind of letting your passion wane, let tonight be a night where you say, you know what, I'm not going back. I'm going to keep fighting so I can keep moving forward. Amen? Amen. I mean, German's the only one that's feeling this, y'all. All the rest of y'all acting like y'all are needing a nap or something. It's okay. I'm not really feeling that great either, so my voice is going out. I appreciate the amen. I think some of y'all gave me the flu, y'all. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Jordan throwing up in Slim's chicken, whatever. <clears throat> but hey, uh, you know, one thing before I even move on to our next point tonight, uh, maybe you're in here tonight and, I mean, you know, like, where you are right now is not the best place, if you're going to be honest. You know, maybe where you are right now, you've been living in sin, you've been walking in disobedience, you've been doing things that you know don't honor God. And, uh, man, we're not here to condemn you or anything, but I just want to tell you that, man, I believe tonight's a night where you realize that God has something better for you. Where, where tonight is a night that, that you stop justifying sin in your life and say enough is enough, and I'm going to begin to honor God. I'm going to begin to follow him and do the things that he's called me to do. Man, I, I want to be like David and strive to honor God even when it's tough or even when it's difficult. I don't want to be like Saul who gets complacent and okay with sin and winds up far away from God. Does this make sense? If you're marked by God, you don't justify the sin that's in your life. Look with me at uh, verse 16 through 19. It says, uh, this is uh, Saul's servant still talking. He says, let our Lord now command your servants who are before you uh, to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre or lyre. I don't know how you say that exactly. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, uh, he will play it and you will be well. And so Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Verse 19, it says, therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. Okay. This is kind of cool, like not only is David a hardcore soldier, but you see right here that David is a musician. He's every girl's dream. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's a dreamboat. He's manly and sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping he's a little more manly than Justin Bieber. I mean, I think so. He did kill a lion, so yeah. <laughs> anyway. I want you to think about this for just a second. David was anointed to be king. He knew that one day he's going to end up in the palace. After he's anointed, he gets sent back to what? He goes back to sheep. Y'all, that does not sound like I'd be that fired up about it, right? <laughs> Bad. Like, I don't even know what you do. Um, I want you to think about this for a second. I mean, David didn't go from shepherd boy to king. And there were several stages in between where David uh, was more of a, a servant, really, than a leader in Israel. Hey, everybody in the world wants to be king. Everybody in the world wants to be a leader 
but there's not a lot of people who want to go through the process to get there. And we want an overnight sensation. We don't want to have to work for something. This is especially true in younger generations. The years in between for David before he became king, these were years in preparation. As, as David uh, served King Saul and he served in different capacities uh, throughout his life, those things qualified him for his future position. David wasn't qualified to be king until he learned how to be a king, right? And so he learned how to be a king by serving the king. He went and served Saul. He, he, he was going and he was actually being Saul's worship leader. And this is uh, one thing that I, I want to challenge you with tonight, that if you're marked by God, you were diligent in preparation. You are diligent in preparation. David was faithful in preparation. He served he learned, he grew, he matured, and he didn't complain about not being the king yet. Whether you choose to recognize it or, or not, everybody in this room, you're in a season of preparation. The season that you're in, especially in high school, you're preparing for life outside of school. You're preparing to, to actually make some money. You're preparing to, to get married. You're preparing to get a house. I'm not really sure how good our education system is at preparing us for those things, but you know what I mean. <laughs> we try. All the leaders know what we're talking about. It's like, yeah, I still don't even know how to write a check. Yeah. Congrats. Nothing. Um, and so, man, every person in here, you're in a season of preparation. And even for the leaders, the adults, man, the, the season that we're in now, God is using this season to prepare us for the next. He's using what we're going through right now to prepare us for our future and what we will go through. And, and uh, this is, uh, I wanna challenge you with this. Use this season, use what you're going through uh, to diligently prepare for your future. Man, there are a lot of young people that you wanna get here, you wanna get there. I wanna be a leader, I wanna be a success, but I don't wanna work hard now. I don't wanna study, I wanna be lazy. I wanna do ministry, but I don't wanna serve anybody. I want to get the microphone and preach in front of people, but I can't read my Bible. I want to be a worship leader, but I don't really care about worshiping God. I just want to sing. There are a lot of things that are unhealthy desires that we have to work on, and you need to use this season in your life to prepare for the next season. There are a lot of young people that want to just get to that place and I want to tell you that you'll never get to that place if you don't use now to prepare for it. Does this make sense? I don't believe David would have ever been king if he wouldn't prepare, if he hadn't prepared in all of these seasons throughout his life. If he hadn't have been willing to go back to the shepherd's fields, if he hadn't have been willing to go and, and lead worship for the king that he was going to replace. Does this make sense? And when he did those things, he learned, he grew, he, he knew what it was like to be in the palace. He, he knew what it was like to be king. He saw these things and he learned from it. And listen, God wants to teach you some things right now in your life. He wants to grow you and he wants to use this season to prepare you. So why don't we quit complaining about it and use it to learn? Does this make sense? Thank you, three people, that's what I'm talking about. I'm preaching to you three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so be diligent in preparation, amen? 
All right, I got one more point tonight. One more. Look at the uh, last three verses of 1 Samuel 16. This is 20 through 23. It says, So Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David his son to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. This is really kind of interesting to me, but I want to invite the worship team to come up. Think about this. The spirit upon David's life tormented the evil spirit that was upon Saul's life. So now that the Holy Spirit was empowering David's life, he began to minister to the needs of those around him. And this is, a, this is another uh, kind of factor, something that, that marks uh, people's lives. This is, this is what it looks like when your life is marked by God, is that your life ministers to those around you. When you're marked by God, you minister to those around you. You minister to their needs. You minister to their, ho- their hurts. You're a, you're a vessel that can be used by God to touch people's lives. And I want to point out again, it wasn't David doing this. It was the Holy Spirit through David. And it wouldn't be you doing this. It would be the Holy Spirit through you. Does this make sense? And this is something that we talk about all the time, but a Christian's life is no longer about themselves, but it's about everybody else around them. I mean, we're supposed to be outward focused, not selfish. I mean, your life and the way that you live should encourage the people around you. When you go to school, your relationships, man, they should build people up. They should should give life and not tear people down. And I just want you to think about it for a second. I mean, does your life minister to those around you? And be honest with yourself. The the kind of life that you live, does it minister to the people around you? Does it draw other people closer to God? I mean, have you ever drawn someone closer to God? That's what everybody in this room is called to do. And what kind of life are you living right now? Are you being led by the Spirit? I mean, are, are you living a life that ministers to other people? I mean, every person in this room, under the sound of my voice, you're marked by God, and it's your choice of how you're going to respond. It's your choice of, of what you're going to do with that call. It's your choice of how you are going to allow the Holy Spirit to use you. When you walk out of this room, are you gonna walk out and it's just another Wednesday night where you zoned out on autopilot and you didn't get anything out of it? Are you going to decide to begin to live differently and understand that I am marked even though I might might feel insignificant? Even though I might have those doubts sometimes that God has a plan, that he has a purpose, that he has something for me to accomplish. And some of our students have been getting that. Some of our students have been doing awesome things that we talked about a second ago. But there's still a group of our students that, man, you're waiting for something to click in your life. And I've been praying that tonight would be that night where you say, and I'm ready to step into everything that God has for me.